President Biden recently said, and I quote, I agree with what Federal Reserve Board Chairman Powell said last week, that the number one threat is the strength, and that strength that we built is inflation, unquote. Assuming President Biden misspoke, it's true that inflation is taking a toll on most Americans and is a threat to your retirement. On today's podcast, we'll talk about inflation and some things you can do to protect yourself. And now, Money Matters USA with Fred Sage. You also need to work with your advisor to create multiple income streams. You're at the right place for information every week regarding all the components of a successful retirement plan. Asset allocation is really a driving force for how much your accounts are going to grow. Fred Sade is a financial fiduciary and retirement specialist. I have to put the client's interest ahead of my own pocketbook at, at all times. I must be able to justify why I'm making the recommendations. Money Matters USA with Fred Sade. Fred Sade. We talk about the economy here and we talk about retirement planning uh, and what's right for you given our current economic climate and the times that we're in. Welcome into the podcast Money Matters USA with Fred Sade, who is founder and managing director of the fiduciary firm Money Matters USA. Fred himself, a fiduciary, a licensed fiduciary and a PhD in economics from Duke University. Fred, hello. Great to be on the podcast again with you. Same here. Love doing it. You were talking, we're on inflation again, and I love that uh, because that is something that everyone can relate to. Everyone's feeling it. We've got skin in the game. Inflation, yeah, yeah it's, um, well, it's it's here for now. It's the, it's the change in the overall prices for goods and services. It means that purchasing power is declining over time. And as prices rise, expressed as a percentage, each $1 of currency buys less than it did in a prior time. And we usually measure inflation using the consumer price index. Economists have found as inflation increases, interest rates will usually increase. It may sound strange, but this idea is not is uh, recent because it was first discussed by economist Irving Fisher in 1930. The rise in interest rates is called the Fisher effect, and it usually holds overall. How does rising interest rates impact a retiree or soon-to-be retiree? Because, Fred, that's something that we're experiencing now, and we're wondering where we're going to go with the interest rates going up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Most most financial planning um, does focus on inflation, adjusted consumption over a person's lifetime. But this does raise a question. The question is, what is the optimal, what's the best percent of income to save in any particular year? How much money do I need to save? And that, in turn, depends on what your goals are. What are your goals for accumulation? for deaccumulation and legacy. So you, before you can even answer the question of, of the optimal amount, you have to decide on, on what your funding goals are and what your retirement goals are and actually what your spending goals are. Now, I have, I have found that all retirement planning textbooks use what, what is called an inflation-adjusted needs and inflation-adjusted investment returns. In other words, 
how much capital and income will a household need in retirement if I express this in a way that adjusts the, these numbers for inflation? Here's the thing. Most conversations are all about nominal returns rather than inflation returns. And, and the conversation can be highly misleading and confusing to many people. So let me give you three examples of what the differences are between real and nominal returns in the context of inflation. So here's my first example. Let's say that your grandfather was an absolute genius and he bought a stock in a small company for $1,000 in 1925, just put it in the drawer in his metal box where he keeps the important documents mm -hmm. and just let it grow. And, and over time, this small company became a big company. Well, let's say in, in, in 2015, your grandfather passed, passed away and you're going through his valuable papers. This $1,000 stock is now worth $26.4 million. And, and you let out a war hoop that could be heard. <laughs> I know I you know, would. <laughs> yeah, I would too. Now, th this is nominal return. But, and here's the but, if you adjust, adjust this for real returns, adjusted for inflation, that $26.4 million is actually only $1.9, almost $2 million. Wow. Knocked that down with the inflation adjustments. Yeah. Man. So my second example is the movie Gone with the Wind. Uh, most people have seen that that movie on, on TV. It's on at least once a year. No, oh, yeah, I, I've seen it. I actually saw it in the theater, but it wasn't when it came out. I'm not, I'm not that old, but I did see it in the theater in like 1980, and that was a great experience with the intermission and all of that. Yeah, I, I've never seen it. I've seen it on uh, on TV and on, and on streaming uh, video. In fact, it was just on recently. Um, Turner, uh, Turner Classic Movies had it on. Mm -hmm. So. It's said that that Gone with the Wind is the highest grossing movie in U.S. box office history. The total receipts were $198 million in 1939. That's real money, right? Mm -hmm. But today... It's a lot for them, yeah. Yeah. But today, many movies have larger box office receipts in nominal terms than Gone with the Wind. So, so far... Uh, Top Gun Maverick has grossed over one billion U.S. dollars. Mm -hmm. Tom Cruise was paid ten million up front. He bet on himself, and uh, right now, based on a one billion dollar gross, he would he would earn f an additional fifty million dollars. This is in nominal terms. Okay, so let me give you another inflation-adjusted example: cup of coffee, nineteen seventy. 25 cents mm -hmm. a day at a diner, coffee shop, dollar 85 cents. And that's, yeah, and that's not at a, uh, that's at just a diner. I'm glad you clarified that. But yeah, oh, that's, yeah, that's a... I, yeah, I'm not talking about these specialty <laughs> coffee right. 
coffee places where you could spend four or five, six, seven dollars. Right, right. Uh, for for you know for for coffee. But that would be apples and oranges. Yeah, it's a fancy fancy stuff. Uh, it you know. So the other thing uh, is that you can you can actually figure out there. there I'm going to give you. Um, a very simple formula that's very accurate to calculate inflation. There, there are a lot of, look, there are a lot of, you can just boom, go to, you know, go to your favorite search engine and, and find a, a, a calculator. But what you're, it, but the formula is really very simple uh, to, uh, to use because you can look up two, two pieces and you're only solving for one. You can look up what's the, what's the CPOI, the consumer price index that you're starting with, what is the CPI that you're ending with, and then you're you're just dividing uh, that to find a, a an inflation rate, which you then multiply by 100 to get a to get a percentage. So it's it's a very very simple way of doing the calculation because it's going to tell you what your money buys over time uh, adjusted. For inflation now, the the other thing that's interesting here, and I'll touch on it a little bit more, is that th these numbers are always backward looking, which is why I said that that you can um, the, the the two CPI numbers are known numbers, mm -hmm. so it, it's it's just a matter of of, uh, of just doing the uh, division to uh, to to figure it out. Yeah, and real quick, that's interesting. You mentioned Gone with the Wind and uh, 198 million, which in 1939 was beyond respectable. Uh, and then, of course, yeah, I was reading about where Tom, the Tom Cruise movie Top Gun Maverick had gone over a billion. But does that stack up against Gone with the Wind in 2022 being at a billion? 198 million in 1939 was outstanding. Yeah, um, I. I, you know, I did a quick, I did a quick adjusted rate, and it does beat Gone with the Wind. It does still beat it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but it doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, when I was watching the uh, uh, Turner Classic Movie presentation, um, they still repeated the, the the line that that it was the highest grossing movie of all time. That's huh. not true. Yeah. Yeah. No. 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 Not now. Top Gun Maverick still pulling in money. Well, what, yeah. is, what is a reasonable rate of inflation to assume in the future? I mean, people, in, including economists, are inclined to think the latest trends will continue in the future. Most of the high rates of inflation are related to war and to energy crisis. Well, it, it's very interesting to me that in the year 2000, there was a survey done by Delphi, and they found that the consensus inflation rate was 4%, and that's the number that should have been used. Now, the consensus rate in 2018 is 1.7%. So it seems to me that, and this is what I do, I have come to the conclusion to use a five-year moving average, and then you can adjust that depending on what the real inflation rate is rather than trying to pick a number out of you know out of the air just take the five-year moving average and again that that's a known number 
Well, I mean, there are pros and cons, advantages and disadvantages of inflation. Inflation can be considered good or bad, depending on which side you're on and how rapidly inflation occurs. Yeah, I mean, a a government might want inflation as a way to stimulate the economy. That's usually uh, an effective way to do that when you're coming out of a deflationary situation. Um, you could have a large national debt, and inflation could be desirable because it will devalue, in, in absolute terms, the amount of the debt to be repaid, particularly if a large portion of that debt is held by foreigners who can't vote. <laughs> right. True. Yeah. And the other thing is that when you have inflation, the income tax system uh, also benefits because it collects more money for the Treasury. So all these things are positive from from a government uh, standpoint, including our own government. Uh, but if, if we get just to get a little bit more granular, then we get to how consumer based software works. And it's also the way the CFP exam presents the, the whole issue on inflation. And this is what they this is the way it's presented. And, and by the way, Consumer Reports also uses this approach. Number one, you have to assume what the inflation rate is in order to inflate the amount of income that's going to be needed in the year of retirement. Then keep on using the same inflation assumption because you now have to grow in nominal return in nominal terms all the returns on investments so we're using nom- so now we're switching back to a nominal mm-hmm. we're not adjusting for inflation we're just what's the nominal amount that we have to grow and then finally we swing back again and we calculate the inflation adjusted rate of return during retirement. And why do we need that? Because we need to know how much capital, what's their funding goal? So I said earlier, how much capital do we need for retirement? And then how much of that capital needs to be contributed to the retirement fund every year in order so that when you get out to retirement, you have the money that you've targeted on? Well, I have I have issues with this. No, no consumer can possibly predict what inflation is going to be. When, and consider also that economists and other financial experts, they can't predict inflation either. So both consumers and the experts' ideas and their predictions about inflation are always going to be backward-looking. They're always going to be lagging. They're going to lag the actual inflation rate and there are a lot of views about uh, long-term inflation. Now, the Fed says it can get inflation back to 2%. Other people who say that's a pipe dream, it's completely unlikely. The Fed would be lucky to get it to 4%, could be 5%. Okay, Mm. you pick it. I have no idea. So for businesses and individuals, tangible assets – are valuable. Property, commodities, these usually rise in price. And the theory would be that you can sell it 
you buy it at a lower price, it, it increases in, in price, and you sell it at a higher rate. Another consideration then is it, it, as inflation devalues money, so there's a more compelling reason, to, there's more incentive to spend now rather than later in order to boost economic activity. Now, that's a factor that's working right now in, in a time when we have a supply shortage. And so far, businesses have been very artful and successful in passing price increases on to consumers. Now, the other side of the coin is people who hold their assets in currency, such as cash or bonds, they're going to find that the value of cash and bonds are reduced. And that then leads them to want to hedge their portfolios to protect themselves against inflation. So how do you do that? Well, you can use hedging strategies. You can use commodities. You can use real estate. Real estate is, is very effective at the beginning of an inflationary cycle. It's not effective later because of the cost involved. And of course, you could always use inflation indexed uh, U.S. government bonds. We're going to take a break here, Fred. I tell you, it's it's an issue, again, that we're all feeling. So we're going to look at what causes inflation and how to plan a rational way to adjust for inflation, no matter what the actual rate of inflation might be. And, yeah, we're going to get into the solutions here with Fred coming up on Money Matters USA. Are you losing sleep over market volatility affecting your hard-earned retirement savings? You can't afford to lose a big portion of your nest egg with not enough time to recover. Many people want safety and the guarantee of principle, but also prefer the potential of higher growth with the market. And now you can have both. Call Fred Sade at Money Matters USA at 800-593-8188. That's 800-593-8188. We're back with Money Matters USA. I encourage you to go to YouTube and search the for the video series Money Matters USA with Fred Sade. Uh, and SAID is spelled S-A-I-D-E. Please search that because it's also, as on the podcast here, great information with Fred on the video series. Now, the website, Fred's website is moneymattersusa.net. And you, if you go there and search for the red light on the dashboard process, now that would be moneymattersusa.net uh, forward slash red dash light. Um, what is that actually, Fred, before we go further? Well, that's an explanation of the process that I that I use, and it provides some uh, uh, some detail. It gives you an overview, but it also gives you some detail of the process that I use in order to prepare you for retirement, uh, get you transitioned, so that you can. And then, if you're in retirement, um, what it is it that you should be looking at and doing in order to retire? Uh, and stay retired successfully and make sure you, you, you don't run out of money. Make yeah. sure you're, you can enjoy retirement. Make sure you're, you're happy. Happy people live longer uh, than people who are 
who are uh, isolated and who are very unhappy. That's a, just a great way to show the holistic process that you go through with your yeah. clients, yeah, and preparing them in the right way, in the best way possible, in a fiduciary manner, and a custom approach to retirement planning. And that's what Fred is all about. So again, that number to reach Fred is 800-593-8188. And that's no matter where you are listening to the podcast, uh, because technology allows for meetings wherever you are. Of course, 800-593-8188. Well, we're looking at inflation, Fred. I know you're going to go over the three main causes of inflation. I'm interested in that. And also, um, whether or not inflation is more good or more bad, or I guess it depends on who you are, as we talked about earlier. But also, is it uh, in an indifferent situation if you are in retirement and planned properly? Yeah. Um, yeah, there, there, are three there are three types and three causes of inflation. Um, the first cause is what we're experiencing right now. It's called demand pull inflation. And so it's what we're experiencing. There's, shortages, there's a shortage of goods and services. And in order to keep up with demand, prices increase because of the shortage. And that's what we're living with right now. The second, after demand pull inflation, there's cost push inflation. And what that means is what it sounds like, that the cost of producing goods and service, services increases, and that forces businesses to raise their price. And there's a third form of inflation that we're also uh, experiencing, which is called the wage price spiral. Sometimes it's called built-in inflation, but, mm -hmm. but more commonly as wage price spiral. And um, workers demand higher wages be, uh, to keep up with inflation and higher costs of living. And businesses raise their prices to offset rising wage and labor costs, uh, costs and this leads to a, a loop. We're just going around in a circle of wage and price increases. Wages never catch up with the price increases, but the cycle keeps on keeps on going until until wow. it actually until act, until the policies change in order to break that cycle. So on the good or bad issue, I mean, generally speaking, high inflation is normally considered bad, while too little inflation is considered dangerous. Now, the Fed has long argued for 2%, and that's, a, that's, their cons that's also a consensus rate there. You know, as we indicated earlier, high inflation harms savers because it devalues their money. It puts them behind. It helps debtors just for the very same reason. Uh, but then you find that imports become more expensive. And um, as I suggested earlier, consumers end up uh, spending uh, more quickly because they want to do this before the prices keep on going up. And if you're a saver, you, you are punished for saving because the value of your money declines. Yeah. And that limits your ability to, to spend and save in the future. I was curious so, about one thing, Fred. You you, yeah. you mentioned that we're going through all of those three causes right now. Yeah. All three. How is that different from, let's say, the late 70s? Were we going through all three then? Or is this? 
You know, was that a, a different yeah, kind of we, inflation? We were, be, be, we were actually because of the um, wage price. Well, what it was price controls mm-hmm. uh, that was put on by Nixon, continued by Ford, and actually continued by Carter. We, we had price controls in, in this country, and um, they were ineffective because— um, Let's let uh, at the time um, digital, you know the digital digital. Let's say you bought a digital clock, mm-hmm. and the way it, the way those clocks used to work is the number would drop down. It it wasn't done, you know, by by light. It, it was done by by you know by a card that actually flipped. Oh, down. I had it. I had it. <laughs> I had. I actually, I still have one of one of one of those. It's uh, it's in the laundry room. <laughs> okay. Well, the clock doesn't work, but it but it still plays. <laughs> oh, it, it was the radio part still the radio works. Plays, yeah. That's interesting. Wow. But so, the- if on the other hand, um, you made a slight change. Let's say the let's say the light was white and you went to green, then you could increase your price. So, because you had a new product, mm-hmm. <laughs> new or variation. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. It did, it didn't really work, and it wasn't until President Reagan that uh, that these uh, price controls were were eliminated. Mm-hmm. Um, I want I want to see if I can. Um, explain um, this whole issue of calculating how you calculate a constant inflation adjusted uh, way of looking at things because uh, as I said earlier it's very very difficult to assume an inflation rate but but if we use um, we could you if we use an interest rate that's inflation adjusted, it's an easier way to plan. So let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Let's say for just, for the sake of argument, I just pull this out of the air. Let's, let's say we need $1.1 million in, reti- in retirement, but we're going to represent that money, that, that pool of money, as purchasing goods in today's dollars. In other words, we're not going to inflate them Whatsoever, we're just going to look at them at, at at what they would buy today. So we will we would then assume that inflation is constant. We would we know what the historical rates of inflation are, so we can look back and see what they are. So we don't have to worry in this way of trying to guess at what inflation might be in the future. We know what it is now, but we don't we know what it is in the past. We don't know what it might be in the future. So all we would have to do is assume an inflation adjusted rate of return for different asset classes. And if we do that, inflation adjusted return based on asset classes. If we do that, we don't have to worry about the actual inflation rate. And um, Dr. Ibbotson, Ibbotson Associates, uses this method in, in, in order to do their, their planning. Well, their planning is based u- using this method, and they're not using the classic CFP method that I described uh, earlier. And 
if you have to go out for long periods of time, we can do scenario planning with optimistic and pessimistic assumptions. And so we can, we can, we can then do projections based on a normal distribution and a subnormal distribution. Again, we're, we're, fo we're following Ibbotson here. And the final step is to calculate how much money do you have to put away each year? All we need to do is know what the time period is that you, that, in other words, when are you going to retire? How much time do we have? And then if we use an inflation-adjusted rate of return, and each year we can adjust the contribution for that inflation-adjusted rate. So if salary increases as the same at the same rate that inflation does, which obviously we know it doesn't, but let's say it does for the sake of this conversation, then if that were true, the amount that you'd contribute each year would be a constant, but it doesn't. So it means that the contribution increases each year, although the actual percentage stays the same because you're getting an increase and we're, use, we're, we're keeping the percentage the same, but as you get an increase, uh, it, you'll actually have an increase in contribution. Now, I recognize that people might prefer a different contribution schedule, and that would really depend on their, on their earning, uh, earnings pattern. And I think we have a number of times discussed uh, uh, Dr. Malewski's are you a stock or a bond? And uh, anyone who's interested in that conversation can, can, uh, can listen to our podcast on, on that subject. And we also did something uh, about that uh, on one of our uh, videos. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And you can, uh, of course, wherever you download your podcast, scroll through the menu. And uh, same for the video series, too. Well, so what happens when you get to retirement? Well, at retirement, you have to consider inflation and you have to consider all your sources of income. And that would include Social Security uh, and a pension if you have one. Now, Social Security is inflation adjusted. Very few pensions are inflation adjusted. So depending on how you are taking income from your assets, you have to make some choices. Uh, so which assets are you going to use for income in what order? Uh, it could be fixed investments and annuities, or it could be investments and annuities, which are uh, inflation uh, it, uh, adjusted. It, it's just too complicated, I think, to expect consumers and planners to be able to say, you know, rub their crystal ball and predict where future inflation is, is going to be. Uh, economists can't do it either. And so... Uh, my experience has been that clients have very great difficulty thinking about the, the nominal and the real return, real, uh, return on, on money. They get confused between what's a nominal return, what's a real return. So I think this is where we need to think about um, what, is it, what is the most successful way uh, in other words, let's avoid this conversation and talk about what's the most successful way of taking money from assets so that you don't run out of money while you're still uh, while you're still alive. In other words, at this point, we need to agree on what the distribution pattern is going to be. Now, the 
common rule, as it's called, is, is a withdrawal strategy. And, th- and this is advocated by the large brokerage firms, including Fidelity and Vanguard. And in my view, um, and the view of others, it, it's a suboptimal method. So this has you withdrawing um, from your required minimum distributions or tax-deferred accounts of any kind, even before um, you, you get to the RMDs. And then you're going to take money out of your taxable brokerage accounts, if you have them, until you get to a zero balance. And the third thing you're going to do is go to your tax-deferred accounts, and then finally, your tax-free accounts, and you're going to keep drawing till you get to zero balance. So by the time you're at zero balance, the only thing that you're going to have is Social Security, pension, and, and lifetime annuities. That, that's it. And if you don't have that, then all you would have would be Social Security. And th- this, this method um, will reduce the longevity of your retirement portfolio it will reduce any inheritance. You, you, you're most likely to run out of out of uh, money using uh, this this method. And um, the second method is called the modified uh, co- uh, common rule, and we use um, this and we use this uh, all the time. Um, and this this starts with with the RMDs again. But we use other models, other, excuse me, other, we model other forms of, of income, which, which is the ta- which everything that's taxable uh, up front, uh, taxable Social Security, taxable pensions, taxable bond interest in a taxable bond account, a taxable stock dividends. And then the only the, what, what we're trying to do is arrange this in such a way that the only thing that we have left here is the non-taxed part of uh, of Social Security. Remember, 50 percent or 85 percent is, is going to be taxed. So there will be mm-hmm. a portion of Social Security that's not going to be um, taxed. Um, the there's an optimal rule and that increases the. Uh, after-tax inheritance, uh, and if you, you know, if your goal is to leave an inheritance to your kids or grandkids or or to a particular charity, then then the optimal rule makes a makes a lot of makes a lot of sense. And in this case, we're just looking at we start with tax-deferred accounts, then we go to tax-free accounts, and then we go to taxable. Uh, accounts. We want, we, want, we want to use taxable accounts that are subject to long-term capital gains. Um, now, the optimal, I like the optimal rule, but it does have constraints and does require tax planning because our tax system is, is highly progressive. So, um, and it probably will get more progressive uh, if if we have an increase in in taxes, which which is certainly a possibility, so um, we can't guarantee that the results are better with with the common rule, but but it gives us the opportunity to to get to a larger inheritance uh, for for your heirs, for your children, your grandchildren, uh, or your charity. Uh, but what we're trying to do 
is uh, deal with, with, with a very common, com one of the things we're trying to do, I should say, is deal with a very common complaint uh, is that I don't need RMDs or the RMDs are above my, my income need. What can I do with them? You have to take the, the RMDs, but what happens after that? So the optimal rule helps you deal with that. Uh, I, that's, that's about what I've got uh, on, on this on, on this uh, topic with, without getting even more granular than I am. Well, I mean, it just shows how thorough you are in planning for your clients and taking all of this into consideration and keeping up with, with where we are now, but also not forgetting history, too, and looking back at that. <clears throat> it's always important yeah. to, yeah, look at that, too. So, I mean, you take a, a really comprehensive look at everyone's plan and what they bring to you, their unique financial situation. So it really is. It's good. It's part of that. What Fred was talking about earlier, that whole holistic process. And you can learn actually more about it on at the website, moneymattersusa.net. Uh, it's the red light on the dashboard process. So moneymattersusa.net uh, forward slash red dash light. So just go search for that and you can get a little more insight into Fred's planning process for you and keep in mind that is in a fiduciary manner but also with a custom approach uh, search for the video companion video series on youtube search money matters usa same name with fred Said. s-a-i-d-e is how you spell Said. and thanks so much for being with us again wherever you download your podcast you can scroll through past pro podcast and uh you can, you'll see by the titles and the descriptions what's being covered on that podcast but it's always good it's informational it's educational a great conversation fred and of course fred is available to meet with you you can reach him by calling 800-593-8188 800-593-8188 fred great stuff yeah. as always and uh until next week all right we shall well get done. together again and i hope you have a wonderful week these podcasts drop you every too. friday thanks for being with us on money matters usa Investment advisory services offered through Money Matters USA, LLC. Fred Sade and his guests provide general information, not individually targeted personalized advice, and are not liable for the usage of information discussed. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles should not be considered investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell in any of these financial vehicles. This information should also not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with a professional specializing in the fields of tax, legal accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for their situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to the securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing company and are offered through Money Matters USA LLC. By contacting Money Matters USA, you may be provided information regarding the purchase of insurance products.